This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Crypto may have been conceived as an act of rebellion against the existing financial order, but the taxman will still claim his piece of the pie. So what are the tax implications of investing and trading in cryptos? Many people believe you can hide your crypto profits, and I guess if you try hard enough, you probably can. To help us unravel this puzzle, we're joined by Vihan Olafia and Tertius Trust of accounting firm Mazars. Vihan is a crypto expert and auditor at Mazars, and Tertius is a tax specialist. Welcome to both of you. Tertius, let's start with you. I would assume that pretty much the same rules as apply to investing and trading in equities or other assets also apply to cryptos. So if you trade your cryptos for short-term profits, that is deemed as income. If you buy and hold for longer periods of time and sell at some point in the future, any profits are subject to capital gains tax. Is this how it works out in practice? Yes, thank you very much for having me. And I think that at the moment, this is the most important guidance that we've received from SARS. Originally, when crypto assets started making headlines, there was uncertainty whether it should be viewed as a currency or whether it is a separate asset class. But in April 2018, SARS made it clear that they will apply, as they put it, normal income tax rules. So simplistically speaking, SARS made it clear that crypto assets are not currency, but are assets of intangible nature. So what this means is if you're conducting a trade, be that short-term trading in crypto or the actual mining of crypto, it will result in the income you generate from these trades being taxed as income. And so that means for an individual, they'll be taxed from a rate which varies from 0 to 45%. And then if it is a company, it will be taxed at 28%. But however, if you hold the assets for capital appreciation, and that usually means for the longer term, it, it can be argued that it should be taxed within the paradigm of capital gains tax regime which would mean that the taxes are included, as we all know, at 40% of the individual, which if you're in the highest tax bracket, results in an effective rate of 18%, or at 80% and taxed at 28% if you tell through a company, which is effectively taxed at 22.4%. But there is some debate on whether the holding of and the disposing of crypto assets can ever be seen as capital in nature, since, as we know, usually crypto assets don't provide any form of income, even though that is changing. But um, many people just compare it to, to a holding of gold, which is usually for the longer term and as, as a currency hedge, and that could usually be answered as being held on capital in nature. So very similar to, to your, as you stated, um, just the, the buying and selling of shares. All right. And is there any guidance on what period of time you must hold a crypto before it can be deemed a, a capital game on, on selling of that crypto? No, not at the moment. As these normal rules they speak about is just based on current case law. There is specific guidance for, for the listed shares and shares in general, but not at the moment for, for, for crypto assets. All right, Vihan, from where you sit, is the taxman starting to pay closer attention to people trading and investing in cryptos? We hear about audits being performed on crypto traders. Is this what you're hearing? Yeah, so from what we've seen, there's an increased interest from, from SARS's perspective over the revenue collectors around the world. And the reason for this is, as you mentioned, that they want their piece of the pie. Now, the investment in cryptocurrencies, unfortunately, attracts a certain type of bad apple investor that wants to operate outside of a regulated system, which includes revenue collection agencies such as SARS. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm by no means saying that, uh, in generalizing, saying that um, that all all investors in the crypto environment are bad actors. There's a fair amount of honest crypto investors out there. But this means that there's a fair amount of tax invasion uh, using cryptocurrencies by these bad players because of the fact that SARS does not yet have the tools to accurately track these transactions. Now, in a previous article of mine, uh, I mentioned that these bad actors are trying to find creative ways of moving cryptocurrencies through a series of wallets, public keys, different type, using different types of cryptocurrencies with certain characteristics, 
to try and avoid paying taxes, uh, which is a concern for tax authorities, of course. Now, I've not physically seen a request for information by SARS for related uh, for crypto-related matters, which is essentially the same as an audit or the starting point for audit. But I've heard of instances where SARS is asking for information from certain exchanges and virtual asset service providers on individuals' trading information. Now, fortunately, I can't comment if this was for purposes of a general inquiry or for purposes of prosecution. But as you can imagine, I don't think there was any virtual asset service provider or exchange out there uh, that will be reluctant to provide SARS with the information that they're requesting. Because the, the reason I say this, I don't think that these exchanges or virtual asset service providers will put their neck on the line for clients that, uh, that try to avoid tax. All right, Tertius, there are various types of transactions that can occur with cryptos. They're a bit unusual and, and they're not typically what you would find in the financial system as we understand it. For example, decentralized finance, where instead of selling your Bitcoin, you lodge it as security for a loan. So, for example, you go to a site like Oasis or some DeFi platform, you lodge 1 million rand in Bitcoin as security, and you borrow, let's say, 600,000 against that. But you may not have to pay back that loan for years. What would be the tax implications of something like that? Yeah, so just to clarify for the listeners who don't know what the DeFi platform is, it's essentially it's a protocol which allows individuals to lend and borrow without the need for a bank. So from my discussions with Vian, this is expected to be the next big thing for cryptocurrencies which to date has just utilized peer-to-peer payments and, and, and investment. So when you provide crypto asset as security or collateral, there should be no tax consequences as you've not yet disposed of this asset. Um, I think where the difficulty comes in is where the loan that you receive in crypto assets must be used. So at the moment, the loan would probably need to be converted to a fiat currency and then used, and then eventually the loan would be repaid again by the person repurchasing the crypto asset in order to repay the loan. So my opinion is that the exchange of crypto in, in this regard probably should not have any tax consequences as you're just crystallizing the, the loan amount. However, a tax event could occur where the loan needs to be repaid and there have been movements in the crypto price, which is inevitable in the current environment. So. So upon repayment, there could therefore be a gain or loss that should be accounted for. But this seems to be another one of those areas where the commercial aspect of the cryptocurrencies are moving faster than the guidance that SARS can provide. So one would expect a comprehensive guidance document from SARS in order to address all these transactions, especially one like this. And what's needed is something similar to the current uh, CGT or capital gains tax guides that, that is issued by SARS. All right. I mean, there's another complicating factor here is you have stable coins like XR, which is basically a stable coin backed one to one by the RAND. Uh, that's not a fiat currency. Uh, that's uh, It's backed by altcoin trader. And I just wonder how the taxman is going to treat something like that. If you are lodging your Bitcoin as security for a loan and you're taking that loan as XR in another form of crypto. I mean, I guess a lot of questions unanswered at this point, Tertius, yeah? No, definitely. And I think that the problem is the latest guidance or any comment that we've had from SARS is this, as was issued, like I said, in April 2018. I mean, we're almost two years down the line without anything comprehensive. Uh, all that we're seeing is, is in the tax return stating one question, did you did you make a gain or a loss from, from trading or, or, or selling or buying cryptocurrencies? I, I mean, there, these, these questions commercially, cryptocurrencies is just moving in a completely different direction and SARS must be sure not to be left behind. Another question for you, Tertius. What about a Bitcoin miner who has to invest in hardware and software and perhaps even a solar power system to generate cheap electricity to, to power his computers? Can he write this off against the Bitcoin earned through the mining process? And if he earns that Bitcoin and holds it, is it considered income or capital? Yeah, well, firstly, I need to make it clear that, that when you're mining Bitcoin, 
you are conducting a trade. So, so all the Bitcoin that you receive from these mining activities will be included in your income. It will almost suddenly or actually never be able to argue that it's capital in nature. And since the Bitcoin is included in your income, you'll be allowed to deduct certain expenses if it meets the so-called general deduction formula. So now without boring your listeners with all the detail, I think it comes down to did you incur those expenses to produce the income and were those expenses not of a capital nature? So when it comes to costs like salaries, accounting fees, bank charges, electricity, those are all expenses that will be deductible. But when it comes to hardware or software, or for example, like you stated, the solar power systems, and I was like, I can understand that the, the hardware costs are astronomical when, you, when you're mining. These expenses will be capital in nature and cannot be deducted upfront. But SARS does allow wear and tear to be deducted on these assets over a number of years. For example, a personal computer, SARS allows one third of the cost deducted from the income per year until it's fully depreciated. But just moving on to your question of if you mine the Bitcoin and then hold it for the long-term appreciation, I think listeners need to understand that there are actually two transactions here. Firstly, the Bitcoin is mined, which results in a tax on, on, on income account, as I, as I stated, and then it's held as trading stock. But the, and the cost of that trading stock would be the market value on the date that you, that you receive the Bitcoin. But when the miner decides to hold the Bitcoin for long-term appreciation, there's actually a change of intention. And, and what that means is that he changes his Bitcoin from trading stock to holding it as a capital asset. And there are special provisions in the Tax Act which deal with this scenario. And, and that entails that on the day that the miner changes his intention, he could have an income tax event equal to the market value of the Bitcoin. And that same market value would then become the base cost of this, of this asset. So usually the difficulty arises when a taxpayer needs to illustrate to SARS that, that they've changed their intention, that they now hold this Bitcoin on capital account. And, and what I usually advise clients is to have a different wallet for Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency that they hold for, for, for long-term gains and Bitcoins that they're actively trading. So this is at least provides some sort of evidence that, that you can provide to SARS to if ever like any transactions are, are questioned. I think that's the, 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 you know, the best advice that I can give. Okay. So separate your trading account from your long-term holding account. Put them in separate wallets. I think that's uh, pretty good advice. Vihan, I imagine there's some practical difficulties for the taxman in trying to track down cryptos that may be stored in anonymous wallets. Are there ways that South African revenue services can trace cryptos? Yeah, there's definitely ways that they can trace it, but currently I don't believe SARS has internally developed the tools to track cryptocurrencies yet. But a portion of the budget has been allocated uh, to SARS for these type of technological advancements. Now, currently there are software out there that allows one to track movements of cryptocurrencies um, by linking to a specific, uh, call it XPUB key or, or, or public key, but it becomes more difficult, as you mentioned, by the use of anonymous wallets. Right. And of course, you've also got technology where they call mixers. So, you know, you can you can put your your crypto into a mixer and it sort of is designed to hide the origin of these things. So, I mean, technology does seem to be a step or two ahead of the authorities, whatever they try to do. I think the uh, the guys who are trying to avoid are going to be ahead of the game. Correct. And there's specific type of cryptocurrencies as well that, that has this anonymity regarding transactions through uh, specific, if I can call it, addresses on the blockchain that allows you to, to a certain sense, hide or keep the transactions anonymous where you're receiving or, or sending the funds to. Okay, Vian, another scenario for you. As we've seen, Bitcoin is becoming easier to use for making payments. Bitcoin payments are processed through a private network of computers linked through a shared ledger called the blockchain. Now, each transaction is simultaneously recorded in the blockchain on each computer in that network, and that updates and informs all the accounts on that 
that network. So there's no central authority controlling this. You can make discrete payments, you can make peer-to-peer payments, and you can keep your identity secret. But of course, anytime Bitcoin moves, it is logged on the blockchain, and that's open for anybody to see and inspect. What may not be obvious is the identity, identity of the person transacting. Will tax authorities around the world be able to get on top of this, do you think, and, and track your earnings and payments? Yeah, I've, I've actually seen some interesting developments internationally on how revenue collectors and anti-money laundering institutions have combined efforts to track and trace cryptocurrency transactions very efficiently. In some instances, they use an algorithm to follow transaction movements through a series of public keys to almost group ownership on related individual accounts. In other circumstances, revenue collectors use the combination of ID numbers, social security numbers, tax numbers, IP addresses, interaction with wallets and IP addresses, information directly from the blockchain, and information from the exchanges to identify individuals trading in cryptocurrencies as well as to prosecute individuals that have not declared their holdings or profits. So to answer your question, I think we are heading down the route where tax tax authorities will be able to more easily track cryptocurrency trades and movements. And I'm not saying it will be in the immediate future, but as the technology progresses, I think we're closer than we anticipate it could be. All right, another question for you, Vihan. What about this new trend of staking or earning interest on cryptos? Even though you're not selling your cryptos, you're earning interest. You can put your Bitcoin in a kind of wallet or you put it to work on the blockchain and you can earn 4% a year on that. Is this deemed as interest as we understand it? And does this fall under the tax-free interest threshold of 23,800 Rand a year, which is allowed by SARS? Yeah, so for those who don't know, staking is similar to to mining of Bitcoin on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, Staking works on the the proof-of-stake consensus algorithm where mining works off the uh, proof of work consensus algorithm. So where we had miners approving and adding transactions to the Bitcoin blockchain, we now have validators performing this function on a much more efficient and scalable level for cryptocurrencies such as Ethereum, Polkadot, Cardano, um, for example. So how staking works is that you stake in your personal capacity or you can stake as part of a staking pool. Now a staking pool is where you add uh, where you and other individuals uh, essentially add your funds together or group your funds together. The more one stakes, the bigger the chances of being selected by the protocol to add and validate transactions to the blockchain, hence the concept of pool staking. So let's first touch on individual staking. Now, one will use your Ethereum, for example, and put this up as collateral to be selected to validate the transaction on the blockchain. For the service, you are rewarded in the same cryptocurrency that you're staking in. So you can therefore see that you're rewarded on the basis similar to Bitcoin's mining rewards, and therefore the income generated from the staking, in my view, is more of an income in nature as opposed to interest. Now, if you do ever decide to form part of a staking pool through an exchange or another type of entity, you specifically need to look at the agreement and the structure between the two parties, because your staking rewards can either be interest or sharing profit. Now, this is very similar to we had instances in the property fund market where we had these specific agreements or mandates along with hybrid instruments and share capital on the benches to essentially convert profit into interest repayments. So we might see these type of uh, structures in the cryptocurrency and staking environment going forward to take advantages of, of the interest allowance. So to conclude, the most important aspect that you need to take into consideration is the agreement you have in place with the exchange or the entity you're staking through as part of the staking pool, because this will be to define the nature of your income. And I do I even need to make note that SARS will also have to share their view on this through a specific legislation or interpretation note, 
in the near future to give us some more guidance on the actual tax treatment thereof. Okay, Tertius. No, I think if, 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 I can, yeah, if I can add to that, I think mm-hmm. interest is also something that's specifically defined in our tax act under, under section 2024J. 20, and, and once again, I mean, it's, it's so wide and open to interpretation that, that SARS definitely needs to, needs to address this and just make it clear with, whether something like staking should, should fall under it. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's something just – it says something wide as similar finance charges or something. And, I mean, that it could fall under it, but at the same time it could not. We need to, we need to understand mm-hmm. SARS so we can advise clients what Sol's view is on this. Okay, Tusha, just staying with you, what, what about somebody who owns Bitcoin in a wallet, but he's using that, he's not selling it, he's not planning to sell it, but he's using that to make purchases in US dollars. As you know, there's all sorts of technologies that layer above the, the Bitcoin blockchain, which allow you to make payments, but you're not actually selling your, your, your Bitcoin and realizing a profit. Would these be deemed realized profits every time you make a purchase? Yeah, so the use of cryptocurrencies, as I understand it, is, is pretty much still in its infancy. Um, I don't know if many companies or suppliers which, which accept crypto as a form of payment, but I think maybe the one exception is, is Tesla, which I think they recently announced that they would accept it. So if we use the, let, let's use the Tesla example firstly, saying that the, the transaction should actually be viewed as a barter transaction. So the consumer is swapping one asset, for example, the crypto, for another asset, which is the car. And if that happens, there's a disposal of the crypto asset. Let's say, for example, I bought one Bitcoin at the beginning of 2020 for 100,000 Rand, which I think was about the price. And now today that Bitcoin is worth north of 700,000 Rand. And I use that one Bitcoin to buy a Tesla. Since I'm converting that one asset, I will have a gain of 600,000 Rand on which I would need to pay capital gains tax. On the other hand, probably more towards your question, where if I want to make US dollar purchases, as I understand it, I will probably convert that crypto asset to fiat currency and then purchase the goods. And that conversion from crypto to fiat will obviously be the tax event which will be, on which tax will be levied. So yeah, they will be small. If, if you're using it for small purchases and converting to US and purchasing, there will be small uh, realizations and, 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 and tax events. Okay, a question that's come up here, maybe Vihan, you can pick this up, you know, Mirror Trading International, which is now, you know, in provisional liquidation. I guess SARS will be looking at this quite closely because there's, there's a lot of people made a lot of money in various and interesting ways through uh, Mirror Trading. What do you think? They, are they going to be asking for records, you know, who, who pulled what and, and, and coming claiming their share? Yeah, this is, this is going to be, I think, one of the interesting cases for the year. The same that we had with uh, what happened with, with Steinoff and to see how it all unravels and, and what information comes out. And, and similar to this liquidation case and how it will be handled, it will be very interesting to see what comes out of the woodwork from, from that perspective and, um, and, and the information that's actually going to be released. Now, uh, ever since um, I've been involved in, in the, the, the audit tax and, and advisory uh, industry, if I can call it that, um, there's always been the saying, as soon as, as there's big fraud or something massive happens where there's tax evasion um, or uh, criminal activity, usually it's the police going in front and the SARS is right behind them. And uh, what's going to be interesting to see is whether SARS is going to request some of the information that's actually being uh, disclosed or made available or that the liquidators have in their position, uh, possession in regards to the gains of those individuals that actually uh, made millions or billions or whatever from, from Mirror Trading International. So the big question for me is, is, there, is SARS actually going to go after these individuals and request the information because it's an easy way to identify where there were significant um, gains made from 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 uh, trading in cryptocurrency. To specifically just focus on these individuals and 
Um, then, of course, the whole issue with the liquidation is, of course, that uh, some individuals will be required to to pay back to uh, some of the, the funds, um, some of the profits they, they gain from from Trading International. Um, and this is this is a discussion I had with Tafsius uh, a week or two ago, is in regards to the fact that you'll be you'll be taxed on on the actual gains that you made from uh, Merit Trading, but what about the repayments now? Maybe Tassis can drill just into a bit more, more detail on that. But in my mind, it, it should be uh, that your payment uh, should be a tax deduction in, in essence. Tersus, you want to add something? Yeah, I think usually the issue you have there is it could be a timing issue is where you've paid tax in one year and now you get, for example, a capital loss in another year that you can't set off against those gains. And you need to roll over those capital losses until you have a, a future gain. So yeah, it, it would be quite problematic, but I, I, I do agree with Vian that there should you should probably be able to 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 get the loss based on your repayment and not just the taxes. It'll all depend on whether you can offset those losses against any form of gains. Okay, final question here, probably for you, Vihan. The question many people are concerned about is that local and overseas cryptos exchanges will share information about their transactions with the tax authorities. Is this already happening and are the crypto exchanges obligated or are they volunteering this information? Where do we stand in this information flow at the moment? Yeah, I think the answer is actually quite easy to that for the people that are concerned. Um, if, if you are concerned, um, then there's no need to be concerned if you're doing the right thing and you're declaring actually your income and your gains from that perspective and, and being concerned about, about information being shared across borders. But to answer your question, some international exchanges that I have spoken to or dealt with do not share any information with tax authorities. So at this point, it is unlikely that international exchanges and tax collectors are sharing information on cryptocurrencies unless a specific person, entity, or group of persons are being targeted. Now, I do need to emphasize that if we reach a point where this type of international information is shared and individuals are identified that evaded tax, SARS can go back historically to calculate your tax liability and raise interest and penalties. So from that point of view, I would urge all the, all the people trading in with cryptocurrencies to do the right thing and, and declare those gains from the get-go. Right, and they probably need a little bit of help because some of these transactions can be quite complex, not something that is very easily done on one's own, I would imagine. Yeah, specifically if you're going back in history and not having record of all the information, it becomes extremely difficult to track those transactions and actually account for them. So there is a, a couple of of, of practical problems that, that arise as well if, if you don't keep track of, of all the transactions. I think I think if I can add to that, it's it, it, it's also important to to know that that SARS has agreements with, with other tax authorities to to share information. Now I do understand that that crypto information probably doesn't fall within that mandate. But if you've got bank accounts overseas or or, or you change your, your your crypto assets and and, and park it in a, in a bank account overseas, uh, SARS will be able to access information and that and that the tax authority in the other country would, would, would be obliged to share that information with SARS. So it's not it's even though I do understand people are just maybe um, holding it in specific wallets and, and changing from crypto to crypto and, and thinking it'll never never be uh, uncovered, I would definitely not advise to take the chance to be sure to 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 just um, disclose everything and all the gains that you're making. That's actually a, sorry, just a, a valid point that the tax is making because at the end of the day even though cryptocurrency can move through a series of public keys and wallets and exchanges, at the end of the day, to make it useful and in, in the current state of the economics that, that we're sitting in, that you can't necessarily 
buy a lot of things with cryptocurrency. So eventually it needs to be translated back to a fiat currency. And once that is translated, of course, it needs to go through through a bank uh, bank account as well. And that bank account information, as Taz has mentioned, is shared uh, internationally as well. Great. Gentlemen, thank you very much for that. That was Vihan Olafia and Tursus Trust from Mazars. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.